0: Friday afternoon uh, to those watching. Happy uh, Monday afternoon um, to the gang that we have here uh, pre-recording. Uh, and uh, to those of you watching, uh, you're rolling up on New Year's. So thanks for joining us uh, on our New Year's episode. Um, we've got some of our favorite partners joining us um, for a conversation around uh msp new year's resolutions um so these guys are gracious enough to come on and tell us uh what their goals are for their businesses in 2024 and i imagine i'll probably be able to eke out somebody's personal goal if i if i put mine up there also and i'm not an msp so it's the only one i got um (laughs) so thank you guys for joining us um i'm gonna put matt on the spot because i saw it earlier uh today in our call but we haven't discussed it yet. So tell me what's going on with your hand. Uh, okay. Break the ice for us, and then we'll yes. do an introduction. I, my,
1: my daughter wanted at Hannah a Hannah party for her birthday, and she started painting on my hand, and other people added. And I think I'm stuck with this for like a week, <laughs> right? Like I – I a while. <laughs> It's like a hell of a
0: turtle shell.
1: Yeah. Merry Christmas. I have you to do. use my hands like this on camera and not – You got the Ron, give him the Ron Burgundy.
0: What do I do with my hair? Anyway, so uh, this is uh, your guys' first time meeting each other, I think. Yeah.
1: Uh, So
0: let's do a little, uh, let's do a little live introduction before we we dive into our, our regular stuff and go into the topic for today. Let's start with Alberto and we'll go
2: alphabetical. Hey guys. I'm sure you've never been
0: first before because of that.
2: No, man, I've been used to it since, what, grade school? AB. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So uh, nice to meet everybody. My name is Alberto. I'm the CEO of the company called Risk uh, Consulting. Obviously, if you see my last name, you kind of pick up where my, uh, the acronym for the company comes out of. Um, we've been in the MSP space since roughly 2009 as a uh, we've been, so We've been 17 years roughly in, in business. Um, yeah, so we started specifically through small business. So we've done the whole shebang of, you know, all the, you know, uh, greasy help desk. You no know, password resets printers and all that stuff and slowly also parallel grew through right the data Center and the architecture. And so experience that I had already gathered from a previous job that I had in the enterprise space and bringing that knowledge to small business owners, you know what was the best practice for them to be, you know, putting on their servers and the configurations and such. And uh yeah we we grew out from that and slowly, but surely doors keep opening and you keep walking through them as you do a good job right and uh, well, now we're servicing uh, healthcare, we're servicing manufacturing, we're servicing uh, car dealerships, uh, a bunch of interesting verticals and what's been interesting is over the past five, six years how cybersecurity has become such a Uh, an important part of the relationship with your customers since they're being asked by everybody around them how to comply to much more complex uh, requirements around that space, specifically uh, regarding cyber insurance. So that's been a big area of opportunity for us to scale our business. And cybersecurity has been at the tip of the spear for the past year, year and a half. And uh, we came across, across Fort Mesa uh not too long ago and we immediately you know felt really good about how fort Mesa helps us deliver really high quality consultation around the what's compliance management and vulnerability management so happy I to be can, here guys for thank you session.
0: thank you so much for being here man and that's the only time anybody's uh going to be allowed to 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 toot our whistle um, so nobody else feel nobody else feel obligated. We we love you guys and we appreciate you guys being here. It's a it's a great partnership. Um, Thanks, Alberto. Tell everybody where
2: you're at. Uh, We're in Puerto Rico and we service customers in the general metro and northern area of the island. We have some uh, customers scattered further down into the south of the island. And uh, a lot of our customers have HQs here, with have global presence and offices in Singapore, and, and Germany, and Spain, Switzerland, et cetera. Yeah. And we service the whole lot, you know, from from Puerto Rico.
0: Congratulations! You've had a long journey. What What's been the the biggest thing that you've overcame, or the most sad challenge you've overcome during your journey?
2: Really, uh, the human resource aspect, you know, because uh, when you're doing this for so long, and you have your way of doing things, you know how you grow your business is the people that you bring in, and how you train them, and and how do you how do you sort through all that? So that's really been the the biggest challenge for us figuring out the right formula. And obviously, I think everybody uh, deals with that in in their business, and it's a constantly evolving thing. But thanks to uh, cracking certain codes of that, we've been able to grow uh, a whole lot in the past few years.
0: Favorite pizza,
2: favorite pizza place?
0: Popping. No, no, no,
2: no, no. Popping? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, mushrooms and truffle oil.
0: Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough. All right, if I if I'm good at the alphabet, I think it's James. Thank you for that, Alberto. <laughs> you win. <laughs> you know,
3: it, interestingly, I, I did pizza for ten years, so. Um, sure. We'll, we'll get to the pizza topping at the end, but I can't uh, wait. I might uh, ask you
0: more than one question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Zach, I know you were a pizza guy for a while too. so. It's
0: true. Um,
3: anyways, James Markley, Virtue Mark, uh, formed the company in September of 2022. Uh, we launched managed services in May of this year, uh, primarily focused on the compliance space, uh, You know, just trying to really be virtuous in our company right and that that really started with our company name so the whole concept when we started the company was how can we really be this upstanding citizen of it services really helping guide our client base and our customers through the entire process from managed services all the way through to compliance consulting and not just saying that we're doing the compliance management because we have an automated tool Uh, But leveraging tools like Fort Mesa and leveraging a lot of other tools in our tool set and our stack to make sure that we're actually able to guide the customer on the entire compliance journey from beginning to end. Um, We felt like there was a massive gap sometimes in the MSP space where there's a lot of MSPs that are selling compliance, but they maybe don't fully understand the ramifications of that compliance framework they're working with or the impact on business. Um, So that's where we started the company out as. Um, On our side, really put a big focus on change management and ITIL framework. Um, We're very heavy into uh, government contracting and then dealing with companies that are dealing with SOC 2 Type 2 and also a little bit of C2M2 from the civilian side, not a whole lot of that yet. Um, Even some companies dealing with uh, CMMI as well and trying to implement that into their business processes. So we try and walk them through uh, the entire um, process from beginning to end. And manage their infrastructure at the same time. So.
0: And you said 2022. Yep. So you're you get, you're new to the journey.
3: Yeah, I'm new to the MSP journey uh, as far as a as far as a player on the block. Um, on our side, I spent 28 years in IT space. 10 years in um, the retail and commercial space for IT. Um, eight years I spent in about like doing um, more of like web programming and web development, and then 10 years in international business and government contracting. So uh, most recently providing some support for some countries over in the Middle East uh, related to infrastructure projects and uh, some communications projects as well. So.
0: Well, I, I knew I, I got it right on the alphabet, but you gave me so many years of experience there. There's no way that you're 150. So some of that has to overlap. No. <laughs> no, you know what? at math. That's also No, no, math. no.
3: So actually, you know, coincidentally, what's really funny is that uh, myself and two of the people that work in the company, we all turned 40 this year. I don't usually talk about age uh, because, you know, I was told very, very early on by a business mentor of mine that age doesn't matter because in business. Because you could be a 20 year like how you college.
0: caveated that really quickly
3: <laughs> no they said that you know you could be a 20 year old doing the job of a 50 year old you could be a 50 year old doing the job of a 20 year old right but the expectation doesn't change no matter what the age is so if you're 20 30 40 50 years old your expectation is that you should be operating like a 70 80 or 90 year old with a world full of wisdom right um, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you know everything but the wisdom and the responsibility and the maturity level should align with that so
0: Mm -hmm. well where are you in the world
3: tampa florida um spent 119 days not in tampa florida last year and realized that tampa florida was where i wanted to make sure i was here all the time
0: (laughs) where were you instead of course you Um, love this place i'm sure
3: yeah qatar uh, morocco uh france united kingdom uh spent a little bit of time in colorado that's that's basically another country compared to florida um, so, I mean, you go from like zero sea level to like you know nosebleed uh, above sea level, and that's where you're at. So, cool. <laughs> uh,
0: Tell me in your in your I guess year and a half or two years um, a, on your MSP journey, what's been the biggest uh, surprise thing you didn't expect? Because you had a lot of experience.
3: The biggest surprise has actually been the customer acquisition journey and not so much getting the customers um that's actually n- not difficult in terms of like being able to tell a sales story what's difficult is breaking the um preconceived notion of what a managed service provider should be i feel like there's a lot of managed service providers that are amazing out there and there's also a lot that maybe have some room for improvement right and and I, unfortunately, I think the the negative side of the industry sometimes outweighs the positive side. Um, there's a lot of us that are really good, um, including Tate and Alberto on this call right now. And and we were trying to do the right thing, right? Um, but trying to get the customer, when you're when you're meeting them, you're going through an acquisition process and trying to acquire that new business, trying to um, somehow um, I guess, um, get through to them to understand what it is that's so different about your organization and, and, and breaking that, that fear that they have. Right. Um, has been the most difficult part. And I, 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 didn't expect that. Um, because it's more like you're justifying why you're doing what you're doing instead of telling them why it's amazing. Right. It's like a justification statement. So
0: right. <laughs> yeah. favorite, uh, pizza topping? Sausage. Okay. You're Not off the main stage, man. I appreciate
3: yeah, that. not not Italian sausage, sweet sausage. So,
1: oh, even mean, have to think about that one. Yeah, I can well, he's ten like... years
0: of pizza experience. I forgot I was going to come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I already... I know. I know some of it, but uh, how, how fast can you make a large pepperoni pizza? It's gone to your uh, The
3: fastest I so the fastest I ever made. I had to make like 15 one time, right? And I timed myself because I was really curious how fast I can make fifteen. Yeah. Um, and I made fifteen in like nine and a half minutes from beginning uh, to end.
0: That's a good speed. And that was like
3: everything from like stretching out the dough to like, you know, saucing it, cheesing it, putting the toppings on, counting out the pepperoni, but which uh, definitely, definitely not an industry that I miss. I mean, as much <laughs> as it was like very rewarding because it's like you know drinking from a fire hose and learning a lot about managing people, it was not something I want to go back to.
1: <laughs> well, well, after you get to two pizzas a minute, like that's that's the pinnacle of your pizza career, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot more you can do, right? Like, it's like oh,
1: <sighs> I knew this
0: kid in Salt Lake City he'd do 11 seconds. That was nice, crazy on a, on a whole pizza. Yeah, we could get into
3: the semantics of that because you're a Domino's <laughs> guy and I was a Papa John's
0: guy. That's what. I, that's we what. We won't,
3: we won't talk about the differences between the two pro- qualities of product.
0: <laughs> yeah, y'all roll it out. Man, I don't even know what that is. That is anyway, all right, Tate, you're up, man. Well, no, I could talk no, about uh, pizza forever. Let's spare the poor, all the poor i talk for about that. pizza forever.
4: Um, I'm Tate Cobert. Uh, I am one of the owners of Century Computing. We are in Seattle, Washington. Um, I didn't used to have to say that because our name used to be Seattle Computing, so it's pretty easy to figure out. Uh, I loved it when people asked me what time zone we were in. Um, uh, I've been doing it for ever. Uh, I started doing computer support like 2001, 2002, um, and then Seattle Computing got incorporated in 2008. So that's probably the better start line. I've been through you know some interesting partnerships and acquisitions and lots of stuff and I'm back where I'm happiest which is running running this company and I think ironically or not um, I've been working with a lot of the same customers for that whole time um, we have quite a few customers that I that I met in 2003 2004 um, and I think you know we do that by you know not just being really fun guys to hang out with but you know, making sure we're we're trying to be on the forefront all the time, not getting complacent, not getting lazy. I think that's what I see. I mean, I, I I hear you know Albert and James talk, and you guys have such interesting journeys of you know more security focus. Obviously, James is just kind of starting this thing and, and cranking it and trying to maybe change the paradigm a little bit. You know, we've been just trying to be that that leader for forever, um, and and that takes some work when you when you work with the same customers all the time. You know and security for us was an interesting journey because the bulk of our clients don't really have any compliance requirements um you right. know, we a ton of architects engineers construction companies and they are small business primarily um, and you know i mean they need things but it's different than the things that you know you're providing these these you know hipaa compliant customers healthcare, you know in that realm and so we have to, you know, constantly figure out that balance between what they actually need and, and what we want to provide. And, you know, I know everybody's not supposed to plug Fort Mesa, but Fort Mesa is, I think, an interesting tool just because I think we can have these different types of clients and bring them on a journey that's different for them than, than for some others and, and different for the different kind of clients we have. Um, I, you know, I still love doing it and, and I think I do love the customer interaction the most. You know, it's nice to be able to like this year we, we I drive around my partner and I and we deliver gift baskets to every one of our clients. And we've done that, cool. I think, forever. And it's just nice to go you know, interface with them and talk with them and, and know that we've had this long history, but I end up talking to them about something different every year. <laughs> you know, like, hey, this is the year of this kind of thing. And this is the year of this kind of security. And it makes it fun and That's I'm awesome. glad we're, we're still doing it. And Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying those kind things. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, What's uh? What's you? You gave us uh, where you were already in Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, I cheated. D- yeah, Century Computing, formerly Seattle Computing. Uh, were you a big Supersonics fan? Uh, we all were. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still follow them. KD, or is that? Or, no, have you lost love? For it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was gone, it was gone. At least
4: for me, you know. We we focus on the Seahawks and the Mariners. At least
0: oh, so I'm a big Steelers fan. So you and I will have to shoot emails back and forth this uh, next week. I don't think that I have like very good. many things to say because we've been <laughs> ghastly. But in any case, um, what's uh, you've got a, a long tech journey, and you've been in the space a long time. You've been providing services a long time. You've watched. Uh, the industry evolve over 20 years what uh what's been the craziest thing you've seen in your in your very impressive amount? oh boy the craziest thing i've seen um technically speaking
4: um you know i think a very recent you know security <laughs> compromise that i saw that was that was the craziest i'd seen it was the you know the old someone gets into someone's accounts and this in this way, in this example, they got in there because the person let them in, which is always like, oh, good, Um, you know, got in there and and not only downloaded email and figured out stuff and registered another domain, you know, we see it all the time, um, at least the idea of it. And I think the craziest part about this was how sophisticated it was uh, because they not only had registered a bank account in the name of the company, but had uh, live answer people answering the phones that were, you know, like English speaking sounded exactly like you know the, the people that they were trying to call to confirm the bank account changes, um, and so I mean that was that was pretty sophisticated, right? Yeah. And I think that was the craziest I've seen, just by how good they were the whole time. Amazing. I mean, just so fluid and, and scary. But that's probably the craziest. That's besides watching this building behind me get knocked down. Which was really fun too. Everyone said forever. I had the best interactive Zoom background going, that uh, <laughs> you could literally watch them take this building down, like floor by floor. That's
0: cool. That's <laughs> cool. Um, okay, well, that, thank you for sharing all of that. Favorite pizza topping, and then I'll I'll uh, hand the stage back over to to DJ Matt.
4: I'm gonna go uh, obscure with pizza topping only because I moved to Iceland in 1997 oh. to follow my wife. Um, and uh, I went into a pizza place there, and they had a pizza with pepperoni and bananas on
0: it. Oh. Um,
4: and it's still, like, my son loves it, too. Like, we, we make
0: pepperoni and banana pizza at home because no one else is going to make it. <laughs> but, uh, well, wow! I'm going to have to give that a go. I, in all my pizza years, I haven't given that a We like it go. with,
4: like, some red pepper flakes, some little spicy on it, too. It's really good. Or black oh, pepper. Awesome. is always good, too. But,
0: yeah, Alberta, that sounds like it might they might do that it, in, in your part of the
2: world. Uh, not, that? that that's that's a well we'll do sweet plantains, not like straight up bananas.
0: Okay, plantains. plantains. I was gonna uh, guess something uh, along uh, that uh, Okay. that right, was close. That was close. I wasn't too far. Close. All right, Matt. Before I get myself in trouble, you're up, man. Balls uh, back to you. Thank uh, you guys for those great introductions. I'm
1: I'm looking forward to some plantain pizza. I gotta say, like they're they're a fixture uh, in our house, but I have not tried them on a pizza yet. Yeah. So
4: interesting. <laughs> You can put anything on a pizza. It is the funniest <laughs> thing. I mean, there's so much good stuff. Just look through the fridge and be like, I'll try this today. I mean, it's great. It's true. All right. You, know, tough, you guys probably do, but the pizza oven is like the best thing ever.
0: So, so I, We're going to have more years in pizza than me now to come to mention it. I'm sure you've done some oh, experience. <laughs> All right,
1: Matt, don't let me. Don't <laughs> I, let me I'm going to queue up, up control the day, guys. Here right. we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we are, CIS Controls, and and we only have a few of these groups left, but today we are in uh, Continuous Vulnerability Management, CIS Control 7. It has seven subparts or sub -sub controls. Um, These safeguards, like most CIS controls, are tagged either implementation one, two, or three. So implementation group one. Um, is for the lower maturity companies are investing a little bit less in cyber because they're using off the shelf software and they don't have dedicated IT staff. They probably don't have custom business applications. Um, they probably don't own servers, you know, shrink wrap stuff. Um, and they definitely don't have any regulated data. Um, now, if an organization does have some regulated data or they have business applications that are custom, um, they would be an implementation group too. And for the organizations with the most sensitive systems, Uh, Either because they absolutely cannot afford a security failure, the data is highly regulated, or a failure of security could lead to an impact to human safety, Um, you absolutely need to be up at at implementation group three, according to CIS. Um, So, um, you know, in continuous vulnerability management, it looks like um, one through four are recommended for every single organization in the world. want to stop attacks, you need to have one through four. And the, the last three are for organizations that are in implementation group two or three. So I'm just going to shoot through these quick, and then uh, and then we'll get on with our with our topic of the day. Um, continuous vulnerability management seven point one establish and maintain a vulnerability management process. Like many of these um, controls, it's important to decide what your process is to to chase down these safeguards to manage risks that are in this category. Um, so the first thing is decide who's going to do what, when exactly what's going to happen. How do you ensure it happens on time? Um, in the case of vulnerability management, um, there's some decision frameworks as we go through these other controls. And so, um, before you actually start doing the things, you should think about your process. You should write it down, right? Make sure everyone's signed up. Um, so that's, that's the process management part. And, um, as we move into 7.2, establish and maintain a remediation process. Now, this is a this is a subpart of vulnerability management. Vulnerability management, like any kind of risk management, has one of a few different things you could do to manage that risk. So, you could remediate the vulnerability. You could um, you could accept the vulnerability, accept the risk. Right? Um, there's a few other things you could do. But as we establish the remediation process, think through, like, what is the process in your organization if you, if you decide you're going to make a vulnerability go away, right? Um, and, and there might be a series of if-thens. As an example, check if the patching is working on this system, right? Uh, make sure there's not a patch management problem when you find that vulnerability. Um, you might follow up with that and say, um, you know, um, in addition to the 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 fact that the patches maybe are working or not working, consider that maybe some pieces of software are not going to be handled by your patch management system. So what is your process for making sure that systems that, you know, have a a dangerous vulnerability, but can't be handled by, by patch management? What is that process? Do you need to take the system offline and hand it to a a specific person who hunts down software updates? Um, part of that might be even tracking down software licensing, right? So you might decide that you need, um, a bunch of information on file and a bunch of people involved and a little workflow or a little flow chart of what happens in what order to make sure that the vulnerabilities that are easy to remediate are remediated first and the ones that are harder that you've got to process for that too. Um, 7.3, perform automated operating system patch management. Now, um, I just mentioned that that's one of the things you should be doing in your remediation process, right? Um, But what it's saying here is that you absolutely need to have your your operating system patch management turned on and automated, right? So this means that if the user does nothing, they get patched. Um, that does require that at some point the patches are forced. So in the case of an endpoint, forced reboot at some point in time, if you decide that the system's not going to naturally reboot in the case of a server, having those, um, automated maintenance windows, maybe an automated time when those patches are, are put in place, right? Um, And uh, 7.4, perform automated application patch management. Now, the operating system patch management is somewhat easier because most operating systems have automated patch enforcement built in. You just have to turn on the policy. But when it comes from the application perspective, um, you probably can have to a problem. As a service provider, MSPs usually have RMM tools, and some of them are better at patch management than others. Um, But, you know, a, a good RMM, She'll be able to patch, you know. If, if it says it patches four hundred products, right? That's in the goodish category, right? If it, if I really it like that patch- you
0: gave. I really like that you gave her the gender, the gender. Uh, you assigned her the gender of female for RMM. <laughs> I will that. never call another RMM in my life, a boy. Ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. The, uh, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're a patch management product, you know, only patches 40 products, right. If it only patches like the operating system and office, right. Um, that's probably going to be a huge waste of time for you because what you're going to find is when you actually do the vulnerability scan, there's going to be so many high profile things that are not automatically patched. You're going to be pouring human hours into this hole. And it would be, you'd be, you'd be best served to get an R&M in place that does a better job at that. Um, Now, that's it for for what's recommended for every organization. If we're going to go a little bit further than that, um, we actually want to think about um, automating the vulnerability scans, right? So you'll notice that 7.1234 don't talk about automating scanning, okay? Um, While I think it's it's a high-value, low-effort thing to do for every organization... um, in particular, if you have a service provider, uh, like an MSP, right, involved, they actually have the expertise and tools to do vulnerability scanning and I- integrate that into a process, right? Um, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're a small business and you don't have a service provider to help you, it's unrealistic that you're going to be able to use those scans effectively. But scanning for all of the assets on an ongoing basis, right? And I think in CIS, um, what they recommend is that if a vulnerability is scannable, you have scanned it and you've remediated it. You've, you've done something about it, even if it's accepting the risk within 14 days, right? So that's a pretty continuous process to be able to find the vulnerability, do something about it within that 14-day window. Um, 7.6, perform automated vulnerability scans for externally exposed enterprise assets. Now, um, I, I just want to point out here, CIS says that this is after you've done internal assets. So um, I think that in um, in the service provider industry for a long time, um, the thing that was um, most popular to do was to scan the outside of your customer, looking for problems in the firewall, externally exposed applications, etc. i um, currently under the current um, attack environment, the current threat environment. Um, that is less important. Scanning the outside of a company is less important than scanning the inside, because attackers are coming in through the web browser, they're coming in through the email. Those are not things you can scan from the outside. You need to scan your actual endpoints to find those problems. Um, But scanning outside is great. You may find that there's uh, systems external that you didn't expect to be external, right? You may find that the customer or someone plugged something in and made it externally available that you as the service provider didn't know about. Um, Scanning, it's a a great way to find that. Um, 7.7, remediate detected vulnerabilities. Now, this is the last... This is the last thing at the end, and um, what I want to note here is, you know, having the remediation process, making sure that your policies in place, actually putting the scanners in place, um, all of these are dependency dependencies to actually do full remediation, right? So, but when you if you're doing all those things and you've created an inventory of vulnerabilities, it's time to remediate them. And it used to be, if we rewind a few years, that the remediation instructions were, hey, you should remediate anything that's seven or higher on an impact score. Um, and there's a standard scoring system for that. But, you know, that that was the days when scanning once a year was the norm, or even once a quarter. Organizations would scan their networks, they would find hundreds or thousands of vulnerabilities, and the IT department or the service provider would spend weeks or months grinding down that list to the point where they've eliminated all those high priority vulnerabilities these days um it's really important to do this quickly um let me tell you um the the people that have a revenue model in alignment with finding these vulnerabilities are going to be the ones that find them first so attackers as we just discussed um tate was just talking about how attackers are really great at putting together i mean yes Mm -hmm. they have streamlined operations but this is because they have hundreds of employees or the equivalent right and they're attacking businesses that maybe only have a few employees, right? So they're actually going to be better at their processes than the organization that they're attacking. And let's just hope that they're not um, better at the service provider as well. And that's why it's really important for the service provider to figure out a revenue model, right, that is incentivizes finding those vulnerabilities, right, and finding them faster than the attackers are going to find them because they're they're looking all the time. Um, so that's seven point seven um, vulnerability management. Um, we didn't go too deep into it, but uh, that one felt a, like a
0: that one felt like a light sprint compared to some of those
1: two. It's and a three one pager. Pages. It's a one yeah. pager. Um, hey, Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt you didn't tell us block.
3: you didn't tell us your favorite pizza topping.
1: Well, I so I am looking forward to the uh you know the 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 plantain pizza topping and i'm trying to decide whether i should fry them or bake them before No, I No 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 what's your what's or... your
3: current what's your current thing not your future favorite
1: so so um <laughs> someone mentioned mushroom earlier and that's usually my go to but for whatever reason i'm craving pineapple right now so oh, I, I, I thought alberto was going to say that man <laughs> right,
3: so so quick mushroom joke i guess you're not going to be a fun guy on the call right like <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that one?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: love it. So well, that's go ahead.
1: that leaves us with topic of the day, guys. It's almost New Year's. We're we're you know, we're we're recording a, a week and a half out here, but for for most of the people watching here, we've got hours left to go. Um, so now's the time to sort of commit, right? Commit to doing something important next year, right? Yeah. So um for for those of us on this call, we're gonna make some promises that we maybe can keep, but we're gonna try really hard, whether we whether we make it to the goal line or not, we're gonna try really hard. And for, for people watching, I wanna see those in the comments. And remember, if you uh, if you uh, you know publicly memorialize your, your New Year's resolution, we're gonna hold you to it. <laughs> he's saying that to me.
0: He's talking to me. It's not like he's saying it to me, just because I know I'm talking to me. I apologize
4: for every other year.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, for you guys, talk about. uh, We'll go around, and we'll do a round of uh, of what you guys hope happens in your business. We aren't. We're not coming around to hold you guys to anything specifically. But in terms of like, you know, I remember when when um, when the new year was rolling around. uh, When I had a franchise, I was thinking about. You know, I want to see uh, X, Y, and Z team member develop. I want to see A, B, and C happen with sales. I want to see the Papa Johns across the street. Um, you know, X, Y, and Z, like all those different things. I had really clear goals on, and then obviously we do those things for our for our lives as well. But what? Uh, we'll we'll go backwards this time. Tate, what's the number one thing you hope happens for your? for your organization. And I want you like, don't think about Fort Mesa. That's not the intention yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the, but these are, you know, there are going to be people watching this that are maybe new in their journey or maybe uh, stuck on where they should be. And they may identify with you and your story. So be authentic and tell people what you want to see happen. Yeah.
4: I mean, I think what I want to see happen may be a slightly different question than what the new year's resolution is. Right. Sure. Um, I think, starting with what i'd like to see happen you know we spend a lot of 2023 trying different marketing strategies right and i think when you've been doing it as long as i have um you know you kind of get used to things going a certain way and you have natural growth right i mean i know alberto mentioned it earlier it's like you know that people keep keep knocking you keep giving these clients and all that but if you really want to like make a push right like you know, the the trendy thing to do is to go buy somebody and I'm looking at that too, but I think I I want to find some marketing tools that are actually effective. And I think I've learned a lot about what not to do. Uh, So that may be, you know, a big part of my 2023 story is, you know, trying some of these cold calling type of services and not having success and, you know, and figuring out what to do next. And I I think partnerships are a huge part of it. Right. And it's, and good timing because we're having this call right now. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of the vendors we are working with right now are because they're really good partners. Like I got tired of dealing with vendors that were just vendors, and then we all got tired of some giant MSP service that got bought by this other giant MSP service that <laughs> I'm saying names, but want makes me want to buy. um You know, and, and finding new partners that were just so interesting that are actually leading us to business. So it's marketing for me, but effective marketing in 2024.
0: Fair so. enough. Well, I'll take that as a resolution for your business. I'll accept that. Oh, okay. But well, my only other resolution,
4: ahead. I got to get resolution real quick in there. So okay. The, the, really oh, short. Perfect. I know everyone at my company, myself included, would be happy if I don't come to them with 20 new
0: tools I want them to try in 2024. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, let we can hold it. you to that one. We can. We'll follow know. up. We'll follow up on that one. Uh-huh. one of my
4: partners is going to watch this. He's going to be like, Oh, you said it. I'm like, I know I said it. So just like try to
0: stick with something for a little while. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I, I appreciate that. James, man, you're up.
3: So this is maybe it's a nod to um, T-Mobile in a way, but you know, one of the things that I always thought was really neat a few years ago was they did the whole team of experts uh, concept behind when you would call into their support line. And, um, We've kind of, we've batted the idea around um, about doing that as we've grown. And I'd really like to see that happen in 2024. I would love to have my customers, you know, going back to what Tate said about the relationship earlier, you know, I would love to have my customers call in and have the same three or four people they always deal with. And not just from a technician standpoint, but also their account manager, right? Like make that part of the team so that when the customer calls in, it just, they just know they're going and getting routed right to the same people. And they... You know, one of the things we were, we were actually talking about today when we were out, we had a quick little leadership meeting and I told them, you know, I don't for 2024, I was like, you know, as we roll the rest of, you know, we have our whole product stack out there. As we continue to grow our product stack, um, we're trying very heavily not to white label products. Um, and it it sounds kind of weird because, you know, a lot of, in the MSP space, a lot of people like to white label, um, we like for you
0: guys to do it with ours, which is just uh, interesting to hear. Well, right.
3: But, but, but I want to do what I've told them is I was like, I want to white label our people. Like I want a white label support. Mm. I want everybody, like when we, our sales story is that it's our support people that are the most amazing part about dealing with the company, right? It's yeah. not, you know, you can go to 15, 20, 30, hundreds of other vendors and get, you know, maybe get the same product, but it's it's really the people and the way they implement that product is what, what sells, and so you, you and that'd your be my team 2024. Yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my 2024 resolution is to not, not to lose focus of that because it's really easy, like in this space to see competitors that are doing stuff differently and they have they have momentary success and to think okay let me let me kind of like move my train that direction a little bit but to stay laser focused on that whole concept that's my that's that would be my 2024 resolution
0: well i love that that. i love it because it is basically what you're saying is believe in my team is your resolution to put them in there, you know in the in yeah but that, that's, and... that's like
3: a resolution if you're not doing it and i already yeah. do believe in my team no no no,
0: no but you know what <laughs> it's I mean. like I when think...
3: somebody says i'm gonna lose weight next year right and you're like it's because
0: i haven't gone to the gym <laughs> you know how i mean it though that that is that that's the that's the the way it's communicated uh, yeah. but i yeah. love I that continue
3: uh, i'll say this continue to stay the path that would be my that would be my goal in 2024 like you know if, if i have if i have you know thousands of msps across the entire world that are upset with me because we're not white labeling or because we're not willing to fall into the same bucket as what the MSP space should should be doing, then I guess maybe sure. I'm doing something right, right? I'm saying uh-huh. should because, you know, and going back to what Tate was saying, you know, he mentioned conglomerates, right? And, you know, this there is a a vendor out there um, who has an arena um, down in the South Florida area, <laughs> and um, I won't name any names about them. I'm not going to name any names about them. I don't use their tools. But um, I also don't use anybody with the tool name starting with letter C either. Um, but is it Acressure? Huh? Is it um, one, No. <laughs> one of them. One of them has a name that sounds feminine. The other one has a name that says masculine. So you may have to call. It.
0: <laughs> um, oh my I,
3: I digress on this. I'm going back to, to Zach's jokes. But but what I will say about that right is that there's this really big push from the conglomerates to to standardize the space and to get every MSP to be beating the same drum, um, and to have the similar marketing materials, similar tool sets, similar stacks. Um, and, and I think the problem is that that also commoditizes the services offered. So now every MSP is offering the services in the same manner with the same type of people, the same type of support. Um, and I, I don't I want to make sure we continue to try and break that mold. I think it's the right thing to do for the. Well, Should
4: all be the same and combined into one giant company, right? No, yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really like that, James. That's that's awesome. Uh, Alberto, man, you're up.
2: So I can see why you guys put us together. We we all three of us have pretty different, pretty uh, similar visions in terms of what we want our customers to see of us. Um, from the small business standpoint, when you were brought up in that area, everybody just wanted to talk to the one guy. So for a lot of the time, for a long, long time, my motto was the one man to call for all of your problems, right? So we'll do everything from scrape paint on your data center to you know deploy Azure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that 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 look and feel of the service is what's you know opened so many doors, obviously. How do you sustain that as you grow? So what, what, what's the biggest challenge for me is and I mentioned human resources earlier is okay. This is the model that I've proven works. This is what's open doors to me. I want to ask the same of my entire team, but then when you start hiring people and you have different tiers and you know, these guys know a little bit more about this, these guys know a little bit more about that. How do you combine that and still offer? the same level of service to the cl- to the customer right and talking about the partnerships and white labeling or not white labeling i'm, I'm like james i know why labeling most most of the things i don't really um it's it's all about telling my customers like hey i partnered with these guys and these guys are as good as they are because of xyz and look at their certifications and all their stuff and, and you know we bring in together our expertise and we make this explosive uh, team happen for you right Um, and that goes for all brands, including the, the (laughs) non-mentioned arena owners, um, because certainly I don't use many of their tools that are customer facing, except for one that they recently purchased, dang it. But, um, I use what works from them internally for some of my stuff. And, uh, it's been very, very good. It has been helping us a lot. And it's just a matter of, you know, picking the right partners to do the job and keeping the quality high. And how do you grow and scale and keep that quality high? So it, it might mean that, you know, you don't have to tell your guys to do everything and talk about everything with your customers. It might be, you know, putting one person in between your text and the customer and do that talking, not really a salesperson or an account manager, but somebody that at least tells them, hey, we're listening, we're gonna be there in a second. You know, that that sort of touch, that continuous touch is what customers appreciate more than the technical aspect. I mean, let's be, let's, let's be real. We're MSPs, we're here fulfilling an area where they don't have an expertise in. It could be that they don't even have an IT department, like 90% of my customers. I'm their IT department. Every, every step from help desk to everything. So they, 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 they don't really judge you on your technical merit. They judge you on, how easy you are to work with, how personable you are, how cool your techs are with their employees, when situations happen, who raises a hand when they made a mistake, you know, all that stuff.
0: <laughs> so I, I, I love that. Um, you know, I, people, people, if they're watching this for the first time, don't know this, but if you have, or are watching for the second or third, you may know this. Uh, I, I, I owned restaurants, so I, I got to, you know, choose my providers in a number of different spaces one of which was around um, services on the, on the professional side. So like my legal and my accounting, but then I also was not a tech professional at the time. And I had somebody that helped me with, my, with the tech in my store. And as you can imagine, stores, and as you can imagine in a restaurant, if mm-hmm. the tech goes down, I mean, people probably know this. You know, if you, if you're, you all of a sudden can't print receipts, and you've got hundreds of orders that you need receipts for. I mean, the, mm-hmm. your stress goes from none to a million and having a really good tech guy. Yeah, deli, somebody put in our, in our chat here, deli tickets. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, that's stressful and having a really good IT team, being able to solve that bow right now is like, whew. so you're right, A, that. They're dealing with you because of uh, because of the way that you make them feel and your techs and all that stuff. But here's the thing. When I was making a decision about who I was going to have do my tech, I wasn't thinking to myself, well, how well do they know their tech? How smart are they? I just assumed if you own a tech business, you probably know what it is. And that's, now I might just be the guy with his head, you know, where it shouldn't be. But it's I I'm but I'm guessing most businesses assume if you've made it far enough to start your own tech business that, that you don't need to prove your qualification that you know.
2: I wanna add two things to that. You could add three uh, if you want. The, the first one, so and this goes out to the other MSPs that may be watching you or no, know, don't stress about hiring the guy that has all the certifications and all the technical preparation. You know, bring them in through the ground floor. If you have a help desk that does, you know, the lower level work. Bring them in through the help desk. I have a guy in my team that's been with me for eight months. He used to be a chef, and had oh. the, the biggest tech uh, experience he had was uh, building gaming PCs. That was great enough for me. That was my origin story when I was you know twelve, you know. And I brought him in. We gave him some training. We we set him a challenge for like, hey, get A plus certified, and I'll give you an extra three bucks an hour if you finish it within the month. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: I I recommend hiring people from the restaurant industry because they work hard. And if anybody's looking for recommendations, I've got a roll decks longer than you could ever want. (laughs) Matt, you're up, man. Say that again.
4: I've said for years Mm -hmm. that I would rather hire someone with really good customer service skills than teach them tech. I think that at at an entry level, like you've got to have the the bigger boxes checked, right? You've got to have the Mm -hmm. guy on the top that can do all the rest. But if you're getting someone new give me the guy who's the most personable guy in the room who likes talking to people, who's really interested in what they're doing and we can teach it.
3: This this may come back to bite me because I'm sure somebody will like clip this off of the video and they'll be like, Oh, James Markley said this or something. Right. But um, (laughs) this is, this is actually really serious. I don't think I I really honestly have told people this before. I, I feel like customers are more than willing to wait for a solution to their problem if you don't know the answer, right? And yes. they're also more than willing to accept, I don't know the answer to the problem. As long as the person has good customer service, then and they are honest. quick fi- yeah. and they're yeah. honest, then a quick fix. Like I told you this before, I said, I think a customer will be, and, I, and I'm not, this is not our industry model. We have an SLA we track against and everything else. But I said, I really do feel like if, if a customer had to wait three or four days for a solution, but the person that was taking care of them, followed up with them every day to let them know they were still working on it, check in and see how things were going, and then finally fix the problem, they'd be a lot happier than the guy that fixed it in five minutes and hung up on
0: them. So I'm going to talk, <laughs> talk pizza. I'm going to talk pizza. I was in the industry through, through, through COVID, so I got to see a lot of different transitions of there being a surplus of staff to there being not enough staff to there being a surplus of you know demand uh, to there, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, so I had the luxury of, of uh, problem solving in a lot of different spaces there. And the thing that we we learned is that if you, would, if you were understaffed one day and you were going to be providing service that was outside of what the general expectation was, if you took the time to call the customer and say, hey, we usually get you your pizza in 25 minutes today, it's going to be an hour and 25 minutes. Do you still want it? And we'll make sure it's hot. 90% of the time, the people are like, no worries. I'm going to throw on you know a, no- a couple of episodes of Netflix. I know what's happening. I'm comfortable. Where people get angry is when they're expecting something to happen and then without any idea. Of of why it may not be, it just doesn't. So it starts to create that. Well, what's going on? And I'm scared. And I'm stressed. And what you if? Mean, what if, if it doesn't everything show? in the
4: world comes down to communication. I can, mm-hmm. I would make that argument. Like that's I like my, my i
0: <laughs> like, that argument up.
4: All about communication. I <laughs> Talk. talk. One thing that's hard to teach some people to, and and I think the people that don't get that are the ones that probably don't last. It's like you have to communicate what's going on to to your team, to your client, to your boss, to everything you've got to, to say your so. wife. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: Matt, do you want to do? Uh, you want to do some business goals here? You do not have to be put on the
1: screen. Uh, I yeah, I thought about this a lot. I I mean, I think about it all the time. Right? We think
0: about it together all the time. Yeah,
1: all the time. <laughs> but uh, if we if we're thinking like whole year, right? Um, you know it, we. I mean, we, we sell, we sell like a glorified spreadsheet with like some preloaded data and some like technical features on the, like jammed on the side. Right. I mean, that, that's what we do from a software perspective, but like the center of what we do, right. Is we enable partners and, um, for, you know, it, I, I think, um, there's been some discussion on this call about, um, not all service providers are the same. Right. Um, and there, there's, there's two. Even the reasons
0: we have three yeah. all-stars here and they're doing it they're really We're different yeah out of the park three different ways we got nomar over here so
1: yeah every every service provider we talk to there's things they're really awesome at right um, and they're they they're, they're, they they provide unique value in those ways right and then there's 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 things that maybe they need support on or things that they've never done before right and so what we have to do and this is the center of our business really right is how do we take the parts of someone's service practice, right? That are awesome and blow them up to three times the size, right? Like how do we, how do we take the awesome part of someone's business and make that like way more applicable, right? How do we make that even better? But then the parts of their business that maybe they need support on, how do we support them on those things? And with the diversity of service providers we talk to, what this means is we built a catalog of all the ways we support service providers. And so my my goal for 2024, right, is to make sure that our category includes that unique tool in the toolbox so that every single one of our providers, no matter what they come to us in terms of their the things they're good at and the things they're not so good at, that we win them one 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 deal, right? Whether that's a, an upsell or a new customer acquisition, we should have the variety and diversity of tools to help a service provider, no matter where they come from and what they're trying to accomplish. And yeah, so that's, connections and tools, right? Connections. yeah, that's, that's what I, and part, part of that's on the product side, right? But there's other things we got to do. I mean, the, the center of our business is enabling the service providers and we got to do all sorts of things. We got to, we got to support everywhere from sales, marketing um, service delivery patterns right helping them analyze their target customers and like delivering the, the you know the right security to the right customers those are all things that you know we're expected to be the 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 source of expertise and the source so, source of the best tools and patterns um so so that's what I what I think we should be good at um, and Zach and Zach Scott Zach's got like a really fun one that he told me about earlier I don't I don't know like yeah, I'm gonna. So we've got. Uh, we
0: have probably got ten minutes left. We'll. We're gonna. We're gonna go around and we're gonna do personal ones if you want. If you don't have a personal one you're comfortable sharing, you just make it up. And I, and I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't tell. <laughs> uh, Matt's putting me on the spot, so I'll do mine first. Uh, one of them is. Uh, I would like to to find myself in a in a romantic relationship. I'm excited about that for 2024. A little committed thing. Uh, And then the one that's a little bit more fun than that is, so I'm not the tallest man in the world. I come in at a stout 5'6", sturdy. You wouldn't believe him. I've played sports my entire life. uh, And basketball is what I've played in uh, my adult life to stay in shape. Um, A goal of mine in my life is to dunk. Uh, (laughs) I've touched the box. Um, and I, I uh, would like to touch the rim by the end of 2024. I've done a lot to work on my glutes and my, my lower back health. And I think I'm primed to give a good spud web. We get a spud web story. Now. It's hard to
4: increase jump, right? That's a tough, it's a tough thing. I I assume you're younger than me, but that's a tough one. I've been doing. I've played volleyball for 35 years, right? You'd be surprised to
0: hear it, but I've done yoga for 10 years, so I'm primed. My everything's where it needs to be to be able to do success. I got to lose about 20 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Making yourself lighter does make it easier to jump. I'm I'm explosive down here, I'll tell you what, but moving this big hog up all right so who's next we'll start in the middle of this time james
3: so uh personal resolution for this year you know i've been working on some of my own little personal stuff i'll say in terms of my uh, my own health but one of the things i would say uh for this year is i want to complete a century bike ride so I've done a metric century. I did that. Like, um, this would have been in like 2008, I did a metric century. And then, you know, you get married, you have kids, you stop like exercising like you should and everything else. Right. Um, so I can already say I've done a metric century, but I'd really like to do an imperial century, like do a full hundred mile bike ride, um, in, in one day. Like it's not like a matter of like, oh, I did it. And then, you know, it took me like four days to do it. And I only ordered 25 miles a day. Not like that. Like, just a full one day, get on the bike in the morning, ride hundred miles by the end of the day.
1: No, yeah. how many hours is that? Like, I don't even, that's a long bike. So when I day. used to
3: bike, I used to average like on long rides, I could average about 18 and a half miles an hour.
1: That's what I was going to say. So about eight hours? So, seven,
3: eight hours? Yeah. You probably got to figure, you probably got to stop somewhere in there, you know, like to like, you know, not keel over. Um, Cause it's not the tour de Florida. <laughs> um, but, but um, I think that would be neat to try. So it, it'd be awesome. a neat goal to accomplish by the end of the year. So, Maybe next year, if we do New Year's resolutions, I can do it like from the bike while I'm riding and like huffing in the microphone.
2: Awesome.
0: All right, Alberto, you're up.
2: Well, uh, personal resolutions or business? What, what do you prefer?
0: Well, you gave the business one already, man. Let's do. Uh, let's wrap up with a nice, easy peasy personal.
2: Well, I guess it's, it's pretty easy to talk about health, but, you know, I just crossed over into the, uh, my 40s for the, for the second time. I'm 41 now, and uh, I don't really go to doctors very often, so I, I have to take care a little bit more of myself, you know, to be honest. Get a little bit better uh, eating habits and probably do a little bit of exercises. This job is way too passive. I made it too efficient to be remote and just sit here on this chair and have a hundred screens open and just produce 10, 12 hours of work every day and not move a muscle. But, uh, I guess that that's, that's all to us. Uh, a lot of us it people and kick ourselves in the rear. I'll, say, get our-
0: I'll <laughs> say a big thank you to Matt. Uh, he's, he's a awesome, uh, awesome founder and, uh, and, and boss. He lets me do a lot of, uh, my days from the gym. If I, if I am able to swing it and he puts up with that. So it's,
1: it's fun when he's on the call, there's no video. I can hear he's sort of like breathing heavily as he's like, he's like going was- over pricing and I'm it's like a big full like paragraph. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, he must be, he must be going at speed right now. And I, I know he's he- on the treadmill, but <laughs> actually yeah, you
3: should have like, started you should have started that whole entire sentence with when matt's on the treadmill <laughs> <laughs> I love it. or zach's on the treadmill sorry <laughs> yeah.
0: either one yeah all right so you w- did i cut you off i think i might have.
2: No, no, that's fine. That's, that's what I'm to get. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think too much that, you know, it's, it's like writing an SOP for the FDA or whatever it's as much as you write down. It's how yep. much, gonna, you know, look at you.
0: <laughs> well, I love that. I you're love it. Man. That's great.
2: <laughs>
4: all right. Tate. Um, yeah. Personal resolution. I mean, it's funny. We're all, we all talk about health. I think that's the best. I'm glad that we all talk about that. I mean, that's what we should be talking about. That's I you know, like I said, I've I've, I've been playing volleyball forever, and um, it's my favorite thing in the world. And the thing is, then it's the only thing I do. And so, like lately, I've been really trying to, like every day, stretch every day, do something, and then find that you know ha- have the time to do both. But it's I just spent too many years going, oh yeah, I play I play volleyball every two or three days, and that's my thing. That's what I do. And then you you know then like I hurt myself. Right, And I I haven't had too many injuries, but I had like a shoulder injury for my first time, which if you play volleyball, it's like, that sucks. (laughs) That's like the worst thing you can do pretty much besides knees, uh, which I've done too. But it was the transition from like, I'm just gonna be this guy who does this one thing to I'm gonna wake up in the morning and I'm gonna stretch. I'm gonna make time for it. I'm not gonna sit on my phone and answer emails from bed, which I've done forever. And then at night, like I'm not gonna sit in front of the TV. I'm gonna like go stand up and stretch. I've actually been stretching before I go to bed, yeah. And when I wake up, just it, it helps clear my head too. So that's I'm going to stick with. I just started that, so I'm sticking with that. That's my my whole goal is to not stop doing that when I start playing again, because I'm going to start playing again, and I don't want to forget that. Like, no, I still do these other things. Be big hitter. Yes, that's that has been my job forever. Um, you uh,
0: you want to see that ball ricochet off of somebody and go into the stands, don't you?
4: Yeah, I, play, I only play beach now, but I, I played many years of indoor volleyball, hitting very hard, jump serving, and all that stuff.
0: You'll have to meet. I have a buddy. His name's Connor. He played on the uh, men's Michigan team. Right. Uh, they don't. Title Nine makes it so that you there's uh, some balancing that has to be done. So their men's team is club. Um, yes. so They didn't. Um, they didn't. Uh, I know give, what you're talking about. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Um. But he had a blast. Um, his shoulders and knees are opportunities that I think he can fix, and you guys would probably love to to talk. Uh, he was a he he like
4: he was a side hitter too. So will talk him. about it all the time, of course. Okay. But now I get to, I do you know my daughter's starting to play, and, and and my son's big into baseball, but he also is starting to play some volleyball. Season. a
0: lot of fun. All right, yeah. Matt, you got me to talk about trying to touch the rim.
1: <laughs> all right. So just to put this in perspective, the last few years, in no particular order, um, and you know, I end screen time early in the evening. Uh, my phone doesn't have notifications at any point in the day, right? I have to go look for that that information. It's not coming to chase me down. Um, I don't have social media on my phone. Those are those are things I've been working on. I I a few years ago um, made an effort to to learn to use uh, active listening and nonviolent communication and it really intentional way, but this, this year I think is about emotional intelligence. So I think, um, I'm a super logical, rational person. Um, and I just want to argue everything and I want to win every argument. Right. So, I mean, uh, step one was the act of listening, (laughs) like really hearing what people have to say. But I think, um, my neck, my next step in life is not just listen to what they say, but, um, remember that they're emotional beings. Right. And, um just just because they're rationally wrong doesn't mean that they're emotionally wrong right and to remember that when i when i react and respond right so that's that's me All of us, all of us, IT people. You mean?
2: (laughs) Probably most of
0: us. I uh, I remember Matt. One of my first times managing people, I was uh, I was at a. There's probably somebody on LinkedIn that was in a frat with me that's going to see this and be like, I remember he was such a headache. I was uh, I was our social chair and I was putting together a bunch of parties and there were a bunch of these goofy kids that were drunk and high and they were getting ready to party that I was trying to organize to like put shit together. And Matt, I don't know if you know me very well. I think you do now after a year of, of working with me pretty intimately. My my patience for drunk high kids while I'm trying to get shit done is like low. <laughs> It was a lot lower than it was now, or than it is now 10 years ago. And I remember just, just like having no patience or empathy for those people at all who are my friends, you know? And it's not easy. It's not easy. It is, a, it is something that you choose to learn. And man, I, that's, that's.
3: But Zach, I think the most important part I took out of that entire thing you just said. Oh. Is if anybody's been watching this broadcast up until this point, and you were in a frat with Zach, can you comment so that we can see who you
0: are? Oh no! Oh no! I know there's like a handful of names that I just. See we're gonna. Week.
3: Well, it's okay. We're gonna know who they are in a little while.
0: Oh, oh, please, boy. yeah, no please. More. I'm with James. We've got wonderful, wonderful business goals. We talked about vulnerability management. We got to know these awesome guys. Uh, we got some personal goals out there. Does anybody else want to say anything before before we wrap this thing up and let people go uh, get their champagne ready and their little poppers?
2: I guess I got one last thing that I wanted. I had the tip of my tongue that I want all MSPs to hear out and you know apply for 2024, your strongest currency is trust. Build it, nurture it. Give, give stuff away sometimes, keep the trust. That's worth more than any deal that you could imagine, because that'll give you peace of mind. Love it. Anybody else? Uh,
3: I'll have one. If you if you have watched this broadcast this long and you've been tuning into the cyber roundtables, you obviously care enough about your business to be amazing, right? Um, stay the course, you know, keep being an amazing business that you are. Um, keep working towards being the best MSP that you can be um there's a lot of people in the industry that may not be the best but you obviously are dedicated enough to your business that you took the time out to watch this um so you know just remember that for 2024 you're already taking a step in the right direction if you haven't um and if you have been following that in 2023 stay the course for 2024.
4: love it i think to that end make time to watch things like this you know i think we we all forget sometimes how much we learn from going to events with lots of other MSPs to going to vendor pavilions, to listening to people talk about specific subjects and what their, their knowledge and, and experiences with those. Like, don't, don't forget to do that. I mean, I remember going for a couple of years with like not having enough interaction, you know, and, and not growing enough from that. So I, I think James has hit it on the head and I'll just dovetail in there.
0: And then I'll just say happy new year. There we go. i'll right. be in iceland
2: celebrating new year's
0: very cool i'm going to be talking to you more about that off
2: camera you know, um, I mean, if, you guys, if you guys want to continue christmas after new year just come to Puerto rico we celebrate christmas until like midtime down january
0: okay i'm thinking that is an official invitation and i will see you soon thank you Jack, for everybody- let me know when you get your
4: flight
0: I'll you I, I, <laughs> oh i can't wait um, thank you guys for, uh, for coming. Thank you, James Tate, Alberto, Matthew. Thank you for an awesome year. Um, thank you guys for joining and, and watching. Those of you who are uh, watching this on the live stream, the recorded live stream. Uh, and, and thank you to all of you um, listeners and viewers who made uh, a great year of uh, the MSP Cyber Roundtable. Table. It's been a lot of fun to, to make. Um, it's been a lot of fun to, uh, you know, it's been a journey to build this out and provide something valuable for you guys. And, and we enjoy doing it. So with that being said, uh, so last one for the year next week, uh, we're going to be doing another live Fort Mesa uh, MSP cyber round We're going to have Marvin B joining us from uh, MB systems and we're going to do uh, Finding Comfort with uh, Target Customers and Business Models. So
1: uh, it's going to be an exciting and, and Marvin, for anyone that doesn't know, Marvin has his own podcast. So it's, it's Uncle Marv, for, for those of you who recognize that name. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a great
0: one. We look forward to that. Thank you, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And we'll see you
4: next year. Bye, everybody.